millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Rubble Report Exiles podcast in association with Vaux Brewery. My name is Richard Spate and I'm up here in the mountains of North Wales. Um, on today's show, we'll be looking back over what can only be described as an eventful Christmas and New Year period for Sunderland Football Club, both on and off the field. We'll be discussing uh, Donald out, Donald in, and giving voice to perhaps the missing kind of nuance and caveated opinions in between. We'll be looking forward to the uh, January transfer window and uh, who we might bring in. A couple of rumours going around today and to the second half of the season. We've also got an interview that Bomber did last night with uh, Gavin Freight from the uh, North American Supporters Association. And we'll be dropping in a plane away that we recorded back in December and was salvaged uh, from a recording that never quite got published in time. So I'm joined down the line for the dissection of what's happened over the past few weeks by Chris Wynn in Sheffield. You right there, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Happy New Year, mate. Ah, cheers. Happy New Year to you. All the best. And with Bomber in Gloucester. You right there, mate? Hey, Rich. How you doing? Happy New Year, guys. And all the way from Blythe in Northumberland, we have Niall Bromley. You right there, Niall? Hello, mate. Happy New Year, lads. Happy New Year. So we're all we're all optimistic after uh, the last uh, last couple of games. Last three games have been reasonably positive for Sunderland. But uh, let's let's start by stepping back to to Boxing Day. We heard from you, Niall and Bomber, just before the uh, the the Boxing Day game. Somehow I didn't make it on that. I was in the uh, the beacon for a few minutes with our Tom having a kick around and then disappeared. Missed you too. And uh, Graham got hold of you. So uh, what was what was that like for you? Because you sat together, uh, you're in the North Sand. The game was a pretty much a non-event, really. Um, it was frustrating. I had to sit next to Niall, which made it slightly less bearable. <laughs> you, uh, loved you loved every minute of that, by the way. Uh, you were all right, to be fair. No, we, we were all right. We had a nice little chat. But that, that, that was yeah. the thing. And I think that sums up the game is we ended up chatting more about kind of what was going on and like our lives away from football, particularly in that second half, than, than actually focusing on the football because it was just frustrating and it was pretty dire. Um, Niall, I'm sure you will agree. And Rich, I'm sure you will agree, having been there. Um, that it was a game that could have gone either way, but equally we could have played for five hours and it would have still been an nil draw. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like I say, it was uh, it was nice having you next to us, by even though we were quite low down, right behind the goal. We didn't we didn't have the best view of play, but 
Um, yeah, it was it was just frustrating because we didn't create enough. We had a few chances, but they were mostly long range efforts. Um, but like Bomber says, I learned a lot about him and his like, you know, that's, that and, and, and that is the sad thing of it. Instead of talking about the game and stuff, we, we weren't because yeah, there was you know the force of much to talk about. But I mean, a lot's happened since then. I think we're a lot more optimistic since that day. I, I mean, I am anyway. I think I am as well. I mean, I think we were probably sit directly opposite you because we were in the in the Roker end, me and our lads, and uh, we were right behind the goal. A bit of a restricted view, to be honest, with the post in the way of a lot of the lot of the play. Um, but it, it was a bit of a of a of a damp squib, wasn't it? I mean, Flanagan's goal. I'm not quite sure why that was chalked out. Chris, were you following that game? How, how were you watching it? Because you 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 weren't up for that one, were you? No, I watched it. Uh, well, I drove up to Sunderland a, a day later, and I, I actually I watched it um, the next night. And uh, Bolton Bolton could have easily won that. They had a couple of chances. McLaughlin made a couple of saves. Um, and it's weird to think, isn't it, that kind of less than two weeks ago we were having a stinking home draw against a team who's kind of weird drift at the bottom of League One. And it, it it's amazing the difference kind of three games in less than two weeks makes. Because I think everyone, it, it was probably the club's probably historical low point, <laughs> John at Bolton on, on Boxing Day, in terms of league position. And, you know, for people of sport, the, the atmosphere didn't even get toxic. I think people were so uh, kind of accepting of how kind of bad we were and the run we were on. People didn't even have the energy to get uh, to make a kind of toxic atmosphere. It was just kind of Boxing Day and people thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm out for a drink, so... <laughs> yeah, it was quite quiet, wasn't it? It was like people people just didn't care either way, really. There was a good old uh, nostalgic sing-along. We uh, rolled out some of the classics from uh, from back in the day. There was a, a, a super Kev, which I think was a pointed one. But then you know we had, <laughs> we had Julio's, we had we had disco pants, we had Na- uh, yeah Gary Rowell. I had, yeah. to, uh, had to explain that one to Thomas, uh, <laughs> and I, I yeah, wasn't well, even around when that when when that happened, but. Um, uh, the thing is, I mean, I, I get what they're saying. The only point, the only time where the crowd did turn against Parkinson was when the Bolton fans started singing about Parkinson because they they don't have a good relationship with him, which is kind of mind boggling for me because wasn't he wasn't he turning up every day and training them even though he wasn't getting paid, working but, for free, working for free, and they don't seem to like them up there, down there. But yeah, that was the only time I heard you know the fans turn against Parkinson. That was. Bolton fans started it off, you know, but yeah, obviously some of the fans were always going to jump on that. Back then, back in the dark days of two weeks ago, anyway. Absolutely. That I mean, said, that... there was there was quite a lot of booing at the end of the game. Um, I think most of the players, and certainly Parkinson, kind of just went straight down the tunnel. From what I remember, it was only uh, Willis and 09 that kind of properly acknowledged the fans. I saw Willis give one of his shirts away and kind of almost looked apologetic to the fans, like kind of held his arms in the air, kind of shrugged his shoulders a little bit, almost like like he was apologising. Everyone else just kind of buggered off back down the back down the tunnel. But. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I've been there kind of years gone by, you know, when in the middle of the game, if passes go astray or, or whatever, and people have kind of been right on their backs, you know, when, even when we've been in relegation battles in the Premier League, you know, people have been right on their backs in the middle of the game and right on top of them. But with this one, even though kind of how low it was drawn to Bolton on, on Boxing Day. It, it didn't seem to kind of... You said that, that it all came at the end, didn't it? With that kind of the booing and a bit of reaction at the end. But during the game, everyone, like you said, you were kind of talking in the stands, just 
amongst yourselves and it was that sort of atmosphere it wasn't kind of the fans weren't right on top of them it was just the game was going on and it was a bad game we weren't playing very well and we'll we'll just give them a bit of a boo at the end and go for a pint well i walked out of that game i walked out that game pretty angry i walked out of that game thinking you know if they don't get rid of him now then they're not going to get rid of him i thought at that point they should uh being a, a reactionary a bit like that but um and then it just fizzled, it fizzled away, I think. I mean, I met up with you, Bomber, and we went for a few drinks and a curry around Sunderland. You got the you got the tour, because that was, that was your first time drinking out in town, wasn't it? Usually you're off, <laughs> that down, is, yeah. you're off down the motorway, but we found you a bed for the night and uh, and took you for a curry and a few pints, and we met Paul, and it was a, it was a decent night in the end, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. It's got, it was, like I said, seen around the sites and all your... Uh, a bit of a trip down memory lane for you as well, Rich. Giving me a few stories of the of places that you used to go when you were younger that probably don't exist anymore or have changed. But yeah, um, went to a few bars. Curry was very nice. Um, it was probably um, probably the best bit about that Saturday, to be fair. No, it was good. And uh, yeah, cheers to me, mate, Ian, as well for putting you up. And then and then the day after, we had our, um, well, what was originally a five-a-side? Uh, it was a four-a-side in the end with uh, yeah. two, ten, two ten-year-olds playing, my, yeah, my nephew and my son <laughs> and my dad and my mate, Ian. Uh, so mm-hmm. it ended up a, a spit four-a-side versus a rope rapport four-a-side with, um, with Graham coming down as well. And Martin Wanless, uh, who was over from from australia drove up from scotch corner so i was a i was a blooming good kick around was, it was, was to be fair for something that that kind of at the last minute looked like it might not happen it was good i really enjoyed it i would tell never way, forget um he's uh he's in his 60s he can still play he's played five he his entire play. life and uh yeah our tom's still gone on gone on about his his hat trick um <laughs> <laughs> um and i don't think i'll ever live down being nutmeg by graham when I was in the goal. near post as well. Oh, that was awful, awful. I used to be a goalkeeper. I'm not anymore. I'm a creative yeah. midfielder. I think these <laughs> days in my late thirties. So yeah, so we 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 had some fun as a group of exiles on our on our return up to the northeast. And then a day later, the um, social media storm of the decade, I think, uh, with Rook Report, um, Wiseman say Love Supreme, and Red and White Army releasing a joint statement on the on the Friday. Um, which was agreed between representatives of, of those uh, fan groups and, and fan media organisations. But I think it's important that listeners do understand that there's no, by no means unanimity of opinion within the contributors to uh, Roker Report and uh, certainly within the Roker Report Exiles group regarding the, the wisdom of that move. And we know that Twitter went mad. Um, but for many of those fans who maybe don't use Twitter, uh, not so convinced if the chats that I've been having with friends and family or anything to go by. Does anyone want to come in on this? Because uh, I think we've all got a little bit to say about it. Yeah, I'll I'll come in. Um, yeah, so I'm not part of uh, the Donald out campaign personally. Um, wrote a report, Wiseman say, Love Supreme, Red of my army. They've got together, like you said, they had that, that meeting, they decided that. That was the best way to go forward. Um, but, you know, one of the me- main reasons why I want to make sure that I came on the pod tonight was to, you know, I, I don't, I, I did want to say that I'm I'm not. I'll, you know, I'll still uh, podcast with Rupert Report Corsa. Well, I, I don't have any, you know, there's no bad blood at all. It's absolutely fine. But for me personally, I'm not 
I, I don't support that campaign myself because, uh, you know, I still think Stuart Donald does have a lot to offer the club. Uh, but, you know, that's just my opinion. And I, I, I like the guy. I, you know, he's made mistakes. He has made a lot of mistakes. Um, but, you know, he's, he's never owned a club at this level and he's learning and I just think his heart's in the right place and and I, and I don't like the idea of switching ownership every two minutes. I mean, you never know who's going to come in and what they're going to do with the club. So, you know, for, for the foreseeable future anyway, we'll see what, what, what he's got to bring over the next couple of years. But uh, I don't want the, the guy to, to leave the club right now anyway. Chris, what's your perspective on this? You know, how, how did you view what happened and and the and the reaction since because we've had Donald on the BBC on um, Talk Sport uh, I think twice since then. So what's what's your perspective, Matt? I mean, we kind of touched on it before that 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 result on Boxing Day. I mean, we were in, what we were something like was it thirteenth in, in League One after that game, Aye. and we just and we just drew at home nil nil to the worst team in the league. You know, they they could have actually won that game, and then. You know, we've, since Parkinson got appointed, we've seen this season just kind of <laughs> seemingly slide away. And I mean, I, I can kind of see from the people who kind of initiated the the move where it came from, because I mean, to be honest, I think Sunderland fans in general would either apathetic or just a bit frightened about where this could actually go. I mean, could, how worse? How worse if that run continued as it was? I mean, it's still the season could still go either way, but something kind of had to be done, whether it was on the football side or whether it was off the pitch, because you could almost see at the time with the way the the results were going since Parkinson was appointed, and that was a that was a you know Donald who appointed them. You'd almost say it was kind of a dereliction of duty to to not do something about where we were going on the pitch and where, how we were actually doing in League One, and you know combining that with all of the the issues we've had off the pitch, you know, kind of this takeover, which which was or it wasn't. I don't, you know, I, I'm not kind of clever enough in that field to understand what what was going on at the time or what is still going on, you know, behind the scenes. So he was trying to get investment, or was he trying to get taken over? Was he kind of the problem with things, or was he the people? Was he the person who the people were actually investing in, like he said on Talk Sport? I I don't know enough about what's going on off of, off the pitch. It doesn't look great off the pitch. There's a lot of issues at the club and I'd like to think Stuart Donald was the the, the bloke who, who's going to sort it out because although he says there's a lot of people queuing up, they're, not, they're certainly not making it public. <clears throat> but from my point of view, something had, to, something had to give and I kind of backed it in the sense that, that something had to happen and, and my preference would have been Kind of the first thing was Parkinson needed to go, especially at that time, and I'm still not not convinced. But my issue with the way that they did that was the statement was for me it was it was slightly vague. I would have preferred it to say, "This is our stance. This is what we think is wrong. This is what we'd like you to do about it. This is the time frame we'd like you to do it in." And I would have preferred it to bring more structured to say these are the actions we'd like you to take. A kind of a nuclear option, and you must go now. But I wasn't completely convinced with the way that they did it. But I kind of agree with the sentiment that something I had to give. And we, we had to change the, the direction we were heading. I mean, I've said that on this podcast in the past that I've, I've, I've been sceptical about Donald. Um, I think 
skepticism in general is is a, is a is a good approach to 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 people in in power, uh, and he is in a position of power and in a position of responsibility, and he and he should certainly be held accountable. I I, I absolutely concur with what you said about the lack of a. A strategy behind it and you know my, my backgrounds in 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 politics etc and and so i probably think a little bit too deeply about these things sometimes uh, but that lack of uh, alternative proposals and and from what from what Niall said as well i do concur about the the better the devil you know in in some ways although whether we all know all of the detail behind what's going on behind the scenes at the club you know there are there are voices out there who are extraordinarily um, skeptical, if not scathing, of of some of the financial um, goings on in the background. Again, like yourself, Chris, I'm I'm not a, I'm not an accountant, so you know I, I can't and I've not, I've not looked over the accounts. Uh, it will be interesting to see um, if somebody would look in depth and and put something out there about it. But yeah, I I, I didn't join in. And, and and I have to say, some of the conversation I had around uh, Christmas and New Year with other Sunderland fans, they they were a, a little unhappy. And I think I think it's important. And I think Alex on the main pod said something important as well. Is that the, the Roker Report, the the website Roker Report, the the podcast, and the and the other fan media outlets, they we speak for ourselves. We don't purport to to represent absolutely every fan who's out there. And 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 the editors and the people who, who run those outlets, you know, they they dedicate a lot of time and a lot of effort to to creating really good content every day of the week, 365 days a year, and doing some great things for the community as well. So you know, this isn't to condemn anyone. It's just to make it clear that you know we we we're all individual fans with individual opinions on the state of the club and 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 where we're going. Um, Bomber, what what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Well, I, I think for me, Rich, I mean, I, I, this is I, this is something I feel quite strongly about, to be fair, and um, it, it's something that I could monologue about for hours. So I'll try and keep it as concise as I can. But I kind of agree with all three of your points, really. I, I my personal opinion is that I I don't back that. I I don't necessarily want Stuart Donald out of the club um, any time in the foreseeable future. Um, I think the reaction. And the subsequent movement was a bit knee-jerk to what was, let's be honest, a, a very poor run of form um, that we couldn't necessarily see an end to. But if we're all being completely honest with ourselves, if things were going well on the pitch, no one would be questioning the accounts and how Stuart Donald's managing the club and the fact that he hadn't gone to games. You know, if we were currently sat third, fourth in the league, a couple of points off the top, no one would be questioning that. It's because things aren't going, weren't going right on the pitch that all of a sudden everyone's got a problem with everything and it's all Stuart Donald's fault. And, you know, people hark back to stuff that he did or didn't do last season and decisions that he did or didn't make in, when he sacked Jack Ross and who he brought in, etc. There's almost a suggestion that, that he was doing things that or making decisions that he knowingly kind of knew that they weren't in the best interest of the club um, and that he was, he was kind of doing it on purpose to try and either make some money out of it or you know to, to spite some of the fans I, I, I don't know it just it just felt a bit well, the message the, the collective message should I say felt a bit spiteful um you know I believe my again my personal opinion is that Stuart Donald has made every decision with the best interest of the club in his mind whether they are right decisions or wrong decisions 
I believe that they are what he believes to be the best interest of the club. And if we, if you can be completely objective about it, if you forget the, the fact that it's Sunderland and that we all love the club and that the passion that we all have, if you look at it objectively, most of the big decisions that he's made, we would have probably made as well, or at least can see the logic in them. So appointing Phil Parkinson, it's not an illogical decision. It might not have been the appointment that we all wanted, but if you take a step back, look at the bigger picture of where we're at, what we want to achieve, what his track record is, it's a logical decision. Signing Will Grigg last uh, last January, it's all right for us to sit here now and say, oh, you know, it's not worked, what a waste of money, blah, 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 blah. But I can guarantee a 99.5% of fans if given the same situation and it was it was their call and they said, right, you've got the opportunity to sign Will Grigg for Sunderland. Do you want to pull the trigger on it? Yes or no? Every single person would have said yes. And it's only in hindsight now that it's work, not worked out that all of a sudden the blame falls on Stuart Donald's door and it's something else that's worked against him. And I think all these cumulative things have come to a, to a head and just all the frustration about everything that's going on the pitch, all the frustration about what's happened to us in the last five, six, seven years has all boiled over. And I think Stuart Donald has unfortunately borne, borne the brunt of it. And I do think some of it is unfair because um, it's not his fault that we can't score goals. It's not his fault that we weren't turning draws into wins or losses into draws. He's got no control really over what happens on the pitch. Admittedly, he makes that decision as to who is in charge of the goings on on the pitch. But again, it was a logical decision. So I think he's come into some unnecessary criticism. I think fans frustrated at things not going quite our way um, have looked to turn over every single stone and criticise every single decision and, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb. And I think it is, it is quite unfair. And just to touch on the, um, the radio uh, interview, the total sport interview, um, uh, it might just be me having the wall put over my eyes, but I, I, felt there was a lot of sadness there from from Stuart. I, I don't feel that it was a plea for sympathy or trying to make himself look better than he than he actually is. I think he's genuinely gutted and genuinely very, very upset that it's come to this. The fans collectively are saying that we want him out of the club. Wait, I, I have to, I mean, if I can come in there, I also, that my overwhelming feeling listening to, I think, both of those interviews was sadness. But to to criticise Stuart myself here, I, I I did kind of want to, after it to get hold of him and say, "Oh wait a minute, you're you're the owner of Sunderland Football Club, you know, if you don't agree with what Roger reports and and Wiseman saying that Love Supreme and, and Red and White Army have put out there, if you think you if you're so convinced by the plan that you've got that it's it's the the right way forward that Parkinson is going to get it right and and maybe events and and results are, are showing that that might actually you know possibly be the case i would have expected him to be more forthright and i know and 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 i know we were uh, well Rogery Paul were and and the other groups were holding him to his his the the letter of of his words and in that sense you can see it as a, as a very honourable thing to say, yeah, I'm just going to sell the club. But there was a large part of me going, oh, wait a minute, show us a bit of fight here. Did I, I don't know what anyone yeah. else's thought on that was, yeah, but I, I was very much kind of like, oh, wait, man. Yeah, so I think I, I think I agree with that, Rich, to, to a certain extent. I, my personal opinion, and I'll, I'll let someone else cut in on this just for, just shortly, but my personal opinion on that is that I think Stuart 
Donald's public perception means an awful lot to him. He wants to be seen as a man of his word. He wants to be seen as a man who will do what he said, what, what he says he's going to do. And there's a lot of things that he said that he was going to do that hasn't materialised for one reason or another. So the one thing that he can and has absolute control of is when he leaves the club. And he said right from the start, I'll be here until the fans tell me that they don't. And, you know, what stronger message could we as fans give him than every single supporters group or fanzine, etc., coming together to say, actually, we don't want you here. So, uh, you know, he, he could come out fighting, but I think that, again, I kind of sit on the fence with it, but if he did come out fighting, it would almost be, you know, a, a middle finger or could be construed as a middle finger up to all the fans and the fanzines who have come together to say, this is the message, Stuart. You know what it is, uh, Bob? I just want to say, mate, everything you've just said there, I don't disagree with any of it. That was exactly what I wanted to say, but you, I think you're a little bit more articulate than me. Um, Cheers, mate. <laughs> a little bit more intelligent, I don't know, but literally you've hit every single nail on every single head there for me. Like I think the first thing you said when you turned around, you said results on the pitch. Nobody would look into the accounts, nobody would look at this if the results were right on the pitch. And that, you know, never a true word said. It literally stems down to that. <clears throat> nobody would care how that club was run if it wasn't for the results on the pitch. And that is the fight. That is it. And we've already seen, because results have turned over the last few days, and we're getting a few wins, and a good away point in Fleetwood, where for me, we should have won the game, because that was never a penalty in a million years. You know, we're, we're now six points of second with the game in hand. I mean, like you, you said before, if we were sitting in third or fourth after the Bolton game, and that had happened, would the fans have turned? Would this decision have been made? Would that be made now? When we're, when we're six points off with a game in that, I don't think it would at all. So, like, like I say, everything you've said is completely right. What I will say as well is that um, I've spoken with a few people uh, in and around the club and I've, I've heard a few things and apparently Phil Parkinson is really starting to win people over. He's starting to win the players over. He's starting to win the staff. Apparently, he's you know he's, he's going around, he's giving people high fives. He's, he's spending time with with staff that aren't necessarily playing staff, like people who work in the kitchens and stuff. Apparently, he really is starting to to lift spirit. And you've got to think, this is a guy who's come into this club and had nothing but stick, really. I mean, virtually, I'm not seeing everyone, but a lot of fans, especially the whole ones on social media, were very underwhelmed and, and mostly against that appointment. I wasn't personally, because I know, I I, I like to think that I, I, was, I could see what he'd done in the past and stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I I just feel like you know he, he, you can see the players are playing for him. I don't know if this is about Aidan McGeady. If, if that was an example, nobody knows what happened with McGeady. Nobody knows. But whatever has happened, I feel like he's he's put his foot down. He said, "I'm not having this or whatever," and he's he shipped them out. He said, "Right, you're going." And it's really been since then. I know we had a couple. We had a, the Blackpool game and. And the Bolton game, but I think the Blackpool game we did play a bit better. The Bolton one was just full frustration, but you know, performances have improved since then. I think the players have probably respected him for that decision. They probably thought, no, it is. That's our best technical footballer, and he is. He is our best uh, footballer ability-wise. Um, and he's told them, no, I'm sorry, for whatever reason, you're not you're not going to be involved anymore. I'll deal with what I've got. And I think the players have probably looked at that and thought, you know, what is this guy serious? This guy's serious. Let's take him seriously. And um, and at the minute, it's working. So, uh, like, fingers crossed we can carry on and, and, you know, wins create momentum. 
and the, you know the fans will get on side. If he wins his next five, six, seven games, the fans will all love him, and it's as simple as that. So let's just hope because I, I've never wanted a Sunderland manager to do as well as I want him to do because I just feel like everybody was against him or most people. And if he was to get us promoted, if he was to achieve that, I mean, for me personally, I'd, I'd, I'd put a, I'd get a tattoo of mommy back because I just think I really think it would be remarkable, especially uh, all the sticky side. It'd be great. But but now, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, what, what you you and Bomber were saying there, I mean, <clears throat> I don't disagree with any of it. Just to play devil's advocate, I mean, you, remember when this you were saying, okay, nobody would care how it's run off the pitch, and I. I agree with that. That you know, perfectly understandable statement, and I agree with that because I don't understand what's going on off the pitch. I don't, you know, I'm not a, an accountant or anything like that, so I don't understand that part of it. But this statement came out on the 27th of December, when, like you say, we we'd won one in six, I think, before in that that run up before that, and that victory was against Southend, who were awful, and we only just scraped by beating them. And then we drew against bottom side Bolton on Boxing Day. And then the statement came out the day after with us in the bottom half of League One and results on the pitch not being right. And you could throw that at the decisions made by Stuart Donald. You know, you say that Parkinson was a logical choice. I'm kind of set on the fence about that one. A lot of people. Uh, it was a safe, a safe choice by by well, logic, Chris. I mean, a, a safe choice. It wasn't like no one looked at that appointment and gone, oh, "Where the hell has that come from?" You know, he does have a he did have a record in in League One, etc. So yeah. it wasn't illogical. I mean, yeah, but he he'd had some failures as well. He's got some failures on his uh, on his CV as well. Yeah, and but you, in you our position, failures? we'd probably have to take someone like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that you know we're talking about." If we purely take the the background out of the way and just say if results were were fine, nobody that statement wouldn't have went out, and that that's perfectly yeah. true. But the problem yeah. is when the statement went out, the results weren't right. Well, yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying, um, but like you say, you've kind of just sort of said what I you made me point in a sense by saying, you know, yeah, you didn't think it was a logical appointment, and which is fine. What all in what that's absolutely that's absolutely fine, and I understand why why you'd say that as well. But you've got to think back to when to when um, Jack Ross left the club and the names that were going in the hat. There's been a lot of people this week saying about Ian Holloway and why has he got to Grimsby? We would have had him at Sunderland. Ian Holloway's been sat more times than Phil Parkinson. And Ian Holloway, has he ever managed in League One? Maybe he's years ago, I think, under Plymouth. Might have got promoted a long, long time ago. But Parkinson's probably got a better track record than him in that league. Um, Ian Holloway's been sacked constantly. Crystal Palace, Leicester City, QPR twice. You know, and now he's found himself at yeah, right. Tiago Elite. So well, you know, I'm going I'm to move, move the discussion on because it's going to be one of the longest podcasts we've ever recorded. Um, just on a just on the side I note, on, Tom, I, I just wanted to quickly raise. <laughs> just you know, you made made that point about Will Greg. If you want to go back to the um, Rock Report live transfer deadline day podcast, I was on there with with the likes of Connor and Graham and a few others. And the the news broke live while I was on with Graham and Connor, uh-huh. and I was. And you, you can go back to it if you want and have a listen to it. But I, I said on that podcast when the news broke live, I said I don't rate him, and I, I didn't want us to sign him. So whether oh, well, you, must, you, think you, were, you must have been the 
Yeah, you must have been the 0.5%. Right. No, we found the one. They slaughtered us when I said that. Get Chris in. Got you out. Chris is in. Too right. He's talking about. No Chris. Time. No Chris. Time. Chris, Chris, the knowledge win. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to move it on. Started. <laughs> um, I'm going to move it on because that statement was followed by an excellent performance on the pitch. Uh, but I want to talk about particularly in the stands at um, Doncaster because there was much talk before before the game on the 29th of tennis balls being thrown on the pitch against uh, about chance against Donald. But instead, we got a relentless wall of noise from the Sunderland fans. And I was in, the, I was in that end with, with my lad, with Tom, and we were singing from, from minute one to minute 95 and sucked the ball into the back of the net as far as I'm concerned with uh, for the second goal in particular you know they were they were they were playing towards us and i think that actually is is a massive turning point for sunderland the the play the passion and the drive and the commitment that the players showed that day in reaction to the fans you know we like i think Parkinson did say you know we had a 12th man out there we really were four and a bit thousand Sunderland fans there. I didn't hear I didn't hear a song from the Doncaster fans. I couldn't hear anything other than us singing the entire game. So, you know, we we've we've turned it round. And, you know, the, the lads on the main pod have, have analysed the Lincoln game in depth. So so we'll not go not go deep into either of those games. So so what do we think for the rest of the season, lads? Wait, I'll take that. Um yeah um I don't know. What what do you think, Rich? What do you think? What do I think? I'm the host. Yeah, I'm not here. I'm not here to give. A, well, I already have given opinions. I'm. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I've I ju- am. I've, I've just finished listening to the to the main pod, which because we're recording on on Monday evening. Just got back from work. I went for a run. We'll talk a bit about that in a minute. But um, it, I'm cautiously op- optimistic. Um, like the lads on the main pa- pod were. I. I, th- I think. I think we are better than a lot of teams in this division, but that's not saying that much. And I think with the right additions, and we've got we've got a couple of rumours going round about um, someone's going to have to give me Andy because I've been following it today. But some of the rumours got going um, on. Lewis Coyle, uh, the fullback who's been on loan at Fleetwood, he's uh, uh, Leeds, lads, yeah. Leeds. I um, and you've got Gary Medine, which people are talking about. Which for me, I think that's just another Charlie White person. I'm not sure what would be the point in that. Wait, maybe um, we need another Charlie White. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I quite like Charlie White. I think um, I, I like Charlie White. I know he's been a bit hit. He missed form. He's obviously he's a, he's a confidence player. Um, but I, I think he's he's got ability. I mean, that goal he scored against Blackpool the other week was absolutely brilliant. I think that's underrated, that goal. The way he's getting in and, and getting in, in, in between and managed to get his... His volley off, I thought it was a brilliant goal. I tell you what, if if he'd scored that header against Fleetwood, we've been talking about it for years to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, you know, what that's the case. But yeah, you know, it, it's one of those where I think that we can go. Up, you know, I, I think last season you had standout teams. You had Luton and Barnsley, who what kind of never really fell away. I know people think that we knocked our chance up when we won that day at Rochdale. Everyone thought it was it was us that was going to win it, but we didn't take that chance. And I think the two best teams in that league went up ultimately. So, but this year you don't have that. I think, I mean, they might not, but 
I think Wickham will come away. I, I don't think they're actually that good. We we all went down to Wickham on my mad, crazy, um, wacky races road trip a few weeks ago and we seen right. them and they're not a good football team. You know, they're just a bunch of the cheats, the bullies, they're all around the floor. They're, they're not what I would want my football team to be. I wouldn't want to see something playing like that. You know what I mean? So I think they'll come away and I hope to God we beat them. I hope we beat them this weekend. And, um, you know, and I think if we do, it'll be a real statement to the league as well. I think if we win that game, it doesn't matter how we win it. I think if we win it, it'll be a real statement. I think people think, oh, Sunderland are turning, Sunderland are getting there. You know, the juggernauts going, that they are getting momentum. And I think it's a, th- this weekend is the most important game of the season to date. It really is. Because, like I say, if we win that, people will start thinking about us to, you know, go all the way, not just the playoffs, maybe it's go all the way. Chris, what you, what's your perspective? Now went all Kevin Keegan on us there, didn't he? I'd love it if we'd be. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything. I would. Yeah. Uh, I would. I would. I, would. <laughs> I think it could go either way. I mean, I think this season at the minute, our tails are up last three games, but um, I mean, his league form, Parkinson's league form in total is what? Like one four, I think it's one four, drawn four, lost four. And stretching that over the course of the season, that's almost kind of kind of what, sixty points. It's almost kind of mid-table kind of form across the length of a season. So he needs to turn these the last last three games into a into a big run. And my issue is the two the two best performances by a country mile were Fleetwood and, and Doncaster. They they're kind of sticking out like a sore thumb at the minute because the. <laughs> For all the Lincoln game was, you know, 3-0 at half time. Lincoln was terrible. I mean, you know, the two good goals, I mean, dear me. I mean, they, they basically handed this, those goals on a plate. Sunday league defenders the, the next day defending balls like that better than that. And, and Kanku just ran in and slotted it in. He'll, ne- he'll never be as lucky that with that with most other defences in League One. Um, I mean, Lincoln were terrible. And our other wins have come... Well, under Parkinson, Doncaster, Southend, and oh, Tranmere, of course, where we hammered them five nil, but they were they were terrible as well. My only worry is that all these victories so far have come against bottom half sides, who, I mean, to put it kindly, aren't particularly impressive. The the best performance I think, at kind of on the pitch, was kind of Doncaster, and on paper, actually Fleetwood. Because Fleetwood are a tough team, especially not that many sides will go to Fleetwood and, and pick up points this season. And we went there and and actually probably deserved more than a draw. So, can I just so, in? Sorry, Chris, can I just in for one second? I'm just, uh, I, I just want to put across, like you're saying there about, you know, uh, Tramio were terrible and, and Lincoln were terrible. Um, but is that not what you would expect though, for us to beat those terrible teams? How would it? You know what I mean? Like completely agree. But I want us to see that doing that against teams who are, you know, battling for the playoffs. I want to see us, you know, teams like teams like Blackpool, teams like Burton, who have played at home. I want us to do that to them as well. But we haven't. We got beat off Burton at home 2-1. We drew against Blackpool at home ones each. It, it, yeah, I, I expect that not only from your Tranmere's and your Lincoln's and your South Ends. I expect it from those teams not going about the edge of the playoffs as well. I want us to kind of dominate those teams, especially at home. That's a difference. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I get what you're saying. But I think that's kind of going back to we are a big club and we are Sunderland though. Because I don't, I think... Blackpool and Burton are probably 
you know, they, they're as good as us, let's be honest. Well, Burton, possibly not. I know they, they're kind of hit and missy. We were just not great that game. But certainly Blackpool, I think they're a, a good side. And I think they're as good as us. And I think, you know, we competed that game. And, well, the better signing for me would have won the game if George Dobbs had only been set up. So, you know, I, I just think that's the level we're at. And we're as good as these teams. And we're capable of beating them, you're right. Uh, but I don't think we're capable of hammering those you know, doing what we did with Trammy Aaron and Lincoln, I don't think we're capable of doing that against them teams week in, week out. Yeah, I think we've got the players, if we can get the best out of those players, that we can have most of the territory, most of the possession. And I'm not saying hammer teams 4-5-0 every week, because, you know, that, that's unrealistic. But, you know, dominate teams where we are the, the best side. We might not necessarily get the, the right results every week, but we've got the players... In, in the squad, I think, with the right with the right plan to be successful against these teams and, and really kind of dominate games statistically. And then you would hope that that would lead on in, into kind of three points the majority of the time. Bomber, do you want to uh, finish up this discussion session um, before we move on to your interview with uh, NASA? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think I think for me, so there is there has been a lot of kind of negativity and a, a lot of disappointment so i'm gonna i'm gonna be the eternal optimist and you know happy to be shot down if things don't go our way but considering that the league i think we're all in agreement the league is a much poorer league than it was last season Absolutely. you know there's no there's no teams running away with it that you know you, you, there's not a luton or a barnsley or a charlton or even us of last season i don't think we're as good as we were last season but but no one is and and because everybody's beating each other it doesn't take an awful lot of form and a, a, to to actually climb at the table as we're seeing now. So I, I think the, the situation that we're in at the minute, we have to be positive about it. We're uh, what a point off of the off of the playoffs. We're six points off of, off of the automatics. I mean, come on, there's a lot of football to be played yet. And if you know, let's say I know there's the evidence would suggest when you look further back, the evidence would suggest that we, we, we won't necessarily maintain this run of form. But let's just say we can maintain this run of form. We beat Wickham, you know, we beat MK Dons, we get something against Doncaster. You know, we're, we're going to be up there. There's no reason why we can't aspire to, to for those automatic places. Wickham are dropping points left, right and centre. Ipswich is dropping points left, right and centre. Coventry seem to be the only team in some sort of form. Um we shouldn't be fearing anybody and we shouldn't be thinking, oh, you know, if we can keep on that ride on their coattails, if we can keep in touch, there's no reason why we can't be the team that's striving forward and actually be being the, being the Luton of last season. You know, Luton were down outside the playoffs come the turn of the year last year, I believe. And then their run of form after January just saw them just pretty much run away with it. Um, or certainly fly them, up, fly them up into those automatic promotion places. So, there's no reason why we can't do that. There's no reason why we shouldn't aspire to do that. It just needs a little bit of positivity. It needs everybody to pull together. It, we do need a good January because there's n- not a lot of depth in some key areas, like left back, for example, or you know someone to to do Gooch's job if he he gets injured again. But we have to be aiming for automatics. You can't be six points away from second place and not aspire to be in the automatic promotion places still. Well, I think that's a, a really positive uh, place to end our discussion of uh, what's gone o- on over the last few weeks, both on and off the pitch. And now we move on to your uh, your interview that you did with uh, Gavin Freighter from the North American Supporters Association. We'll hear from Gavin now. Uh, and joining me and joining the podcast this week is Gavin Freighter from the NASA branch. How are you doing, Gavin? Very well. Thanks for having me. 
Good, good. No, nice to nice to have you on. Uh, Happy New Year to you as well. And to you too. Um, so, Gavin, you're not the first uh, visitor from NASA on the podcast because we obviously had the uh, the interview that Rich did with uh, with Sean. Um, but that was a little while ago now, and people may may have missed that. So, um, it's good to have uh, good to have our North American representatives back on. Um, but for yourself, Gav. Um, what is kind of your background? So for, for you personally, obviously being in the States, how did you end up becoming a, a Sunderland fan in, in, so, in North America? So unlike Sean, I'm not a Geordie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sean's a canny lad, even if he is a Geordie. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah, born we'll in Sunderland. Um, I was born in Easington, mm-hmm. uh, raised in, in Peatley and then Sunderland. Um, and then the, um, the wilds of fence houses before I left the area. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't leave Sunderland till I was 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was university and then never looked back. Uh, okay. I've been here now um, just shy of 20 years. I came out in 2001 Yeah. Um, when football was a lot harder to watch. Uh-huh. Um, and I've always been in the same area of New Jersey, so it's been easy to kind of be a central hub for Sunderland fans, whether they're coming from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York or Connecticut. Yeah, it seems to be a place where where people can kind of access and, like you say, congregate a, a bit of a, a centralised location. So, did you? Um, you said you left Sunderland to go to university. Did you go to university in the states as well? Then, no, I went to university in Cardiff, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and then just kind of didn't come home. Um, oh, right. as, was, as many people just, do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I love coming home. I love going back to Sunderland, but. I wanted to explore the world. So for me, it was a case of I worked in Sunderland a little bit and then just spread my wings and ended up in, as I say, in New Jersey. Yeah. And, and do, you, do you get back to Sunderland often? Or? Uh, last year, I didn't get back at all, but I've been back every year, every other year, kind of a thing. It all depends on what's going on back home with family um, and what's going on here with family as well. Okay, cool. Um, so obviously, you're, you're involved with, with NASA. Uh, the North American Sports Association. And as I said earlier, we had Sean on uh, a fair few weeks ago now to, to discuss it. But for those who perhaps didn't hear that um, podcast or um, perhaps need to be reminded, um, can you just give us a little bit of a background on the on, on NASA and um, perhaps your view on how you became involved with it, really? Um, so my involvement goes back to the early days of being in the US. Um, mm-hmm. Before the days of NASA, we had the... Um, Safska USA, which was just the UK, USA guys. Yeah, uh, we didn't have the the Canadian guys involved, uh, and it was it was based it was almost just based out of the New York group. Uh, we had um, a pretty regular group who've kind of since dispersed, either gone back to the UK or kind of uh, gone across the US. We've got New York members who are either back in London. We've got some in Florida. We've got some in Houston. We've got a guy out in um, Wyoming. Uh, and I seem to be the the last of the original group um, left here in New York. Um, you're the last so, man standing in that respect. Yeah, in that respect. <laughs> um, but when they when when the lads decided to to start NASA up, um, they reached out to me, and I was always only too happy to to help out and kind of get some fans together, because mm-hmm. there's nothing more heartwarming than um, being stood in a bar in New York yelling abuse at Newcastle fans uh, after another derby win. <laughs> yeah. So if I could get involved in that, I was more than happy to. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good wherever the world you happen to be in. 
uh, not just not just in the states, wherever you could be in the world and watch Sunderland beat Newcastle. That's always a, a joy to behold. Um, but it's, it's something that I kind of miss because I'm I'm living Gloucester, um, and there aren't too many Sunderland fans around in the southwest, or certainly none that I've not met too many that I've come across. Um, so it's interesting that actually you, you you have the opportunity to all the way over in the states to meet up with a you know a couple of dozen fans and, and get together. I kind of don't have that luxury, which is um, why one of the blessings for me is was being involved with with, with the Exiles group because we're, we're all kind of in the same boat. But it's uh, yeah, it's good that you can all get together. So what what's kind of membership looking like in terms of numbers? How is it is it quite quickly growing or what are we, um, what are we looking at? I mean, I think I think you you find that we. I mean, I'm the the secretary for the supporters association, mm-hmm. um, so I'm involved from the committee perspective. So I see the numbers, and yeah, we we've dropped number, but our, our membership base has dropped over the last year or so as the performance on the pitch has dropped. But yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got a good couple of hundred members. Um, the exact number off the top of my head escapes me. Yeah. Um, but we have a we have a, a core group of Sunderland lads who kind of drag their friends and family into watching the lads um whether that's a good or a bad thing is, is yet to be seen yeah but, um, yeah but could, but we have i mean we have some really good groups i mean the guys up in toronto are always getting together you've got um justin and rebecca up there who kind of pull that that group together mm-hmm. we've got new york here we, we have a, a good group in new york when we get together um so it's good to be able to kind of have that thing to kind of fall back on and 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 kind of commiserate with each other as it is at the moment but yeah yeah no, that's good and I guess it's uh, logistically it's, it's it must be quite tricky as well because obviously as a North American supporters association I mean here, here obviously in the UK you've got little pockets from individual cities whereas you're covering pretty much a whole nation if not a whole continent talking <laughs> talking North America so logistically that must be quite difficult and imagine you on the odd occasion have people pull into New Jersey from quite far afield yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things I love about the Supporters Association, the way we've got it set up, is I'll get a call or I'll get a text from from Rebecca saying, oh, look, Dave, we've got a couple of Sunderland fans coming in. Perfect example was just after Thanksgiving, so we're looking end of November, beginning of December. One of the supporters was going to be on vacation in the area and lost his granddad just before the vacation was planned. Mm-hmm. So his girlfriend reached out and said, look, I really don't want to be on the, on the day of the funeral. I don't want him to be on his own. It's a match day. Is there any chance we can get a match on? So we reached out to our guy in New York at Legends and said, look, we need a TV. We've got a guy coming in. He needs kind of cheering up. Um, and so we were able to get a few guys together. And we had a half a dozen, ten of us all in watching the match and was able to keep his mind off the fact that his granddad had passed. So yeah. being able to do things like that for fans is great. What I really enjoy are the AGMs. So mm-hmm. we've so far, um, in the years since NASA's been back, we've been done New York, Boston, L.A., um, D.C., um, did one in Ohio, that was Columbus, uh, Toronto. We did a, a get-together for the Toronto Tour and the club were touring North America recently as part of the DeFore deal. Yeah. And when we get together, there's, there's 30, 40, 50 of us, and it's raucous, like, very raucous. Like, you'd expect Sunderland fans on tour to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, put, it puts us to shame a little bit. I mean, it's, it's difficult enough to for us to pull uh, the group of our exiles. Like we're coming from, I'm from, like I say, from Gloucester. We have got people from Lincoln, from Milton Keynes, and you seem to be able to pull people together from opposite sides of the US. So, you know, f- fair play to you for doing that. Um, in to- in terms of watching games, though, 
I, I know uh, Sean had mentioned before when we were talking kind of before we started recording about um, meeting up in, in New Jersey and or in butt bars in New York and watching the game. So how did you try and get to every, to watch every game as a group or at least have some of you there watching every game? How does that normally no, work? I, I, I think generally what you find is a lot of the guys who come over um, generally will have families. Mm-hmm. So especially if we marry into an American family, they don't necessarily support the idea of you getting up at seven in the morning to get on the eight o'clock train to be drinking by nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and coming home drunk at one in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not quite as, as I don't want to say as free, but it's not as easy to kind of have those get togethers, especially yeah. for a lot of us have got families uh, and it's a case of we've got kids, we've got wives to look at, think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got the whole afternoon, like someone get beat, you're done by five o'clock. You can go at the pub, drown your sorrows, get changed, and then go out in the town. You don't yeah. have to worry necessarily about working that afternoon or having to be human enough to be able to to perform. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a it's a it's a long afternoon to come back at one one p.m. drunk, having drowned sorrows of a of a Sunderland defeat, to then have to kind of function for the rest of the afternoon, so to speak. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a um, it's not falling asleep on the train home is the the most difficult part. Yeah. Yeah, as I'm sure it is for most Sunderland fans, regardless of where they're from, either celebrating or, or commiserating, as it tends to be uh, more recently. Um, so, how how did you guys function over Christmas then? Um, did you did you have any Christmas meetups? Um, we did we did the Boxing Day meetup. Um, I know that we had Boxing Day meetups in Columbus and Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. We had some slight technical difficulties where I was in New York. Um, we couldn't get our um, international feed working. So you had half a dozen Sunderland fans sat in a bar, surrounded by other football fans, all using, all being able to connect to their things. Uh, and we just kind of slinked out some of us and went home. Other guys kind of had a few beers and watched some other matches. Yeah. Uh, so, um, again, we kind of spoke of this before we started recording, but that Bolton game, you didn't particularly miss much. Um, we had quite a big Exiles uh, meetup for, for Boxing Day. Um, and yeah, as a game, it, it, it wasn't much of a spectacle, so you didn't miss an awful lot. And I would have probably preferred to have been sat in a bar watching some other football as well, instead of sat in the freezing cold watching uh, Luca Nine miss from six yards and the likes. Um, but yeah, obviously the form since then has been hasn't been too bad at all. Um, so obviously the with the Lincoln game on on Saturday, was there anyone? Um, did you have any sort of meetup for the Lincoln game yesterday? Uh, we didn't in New York. Um, I know that we had the Toronto guys got together. Um, um, that was the main the main meetup this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of rounding out a Christmas New Year period here. It's kind of like I say, it's not always the easiest to get to games. Um, yeah. I was out working with clients on Saturday, so I didn't get to see the game, but was able to catch it on the rerun thanks to the international feed. So mm-hmm. got to see a couple of good goals, a lucky goal as well. Um, yeah. I, d- I don't know how Lyndon Gooch can out jump a centre-half. No. Uh, it just baffles my mind. But No. Lyndon Gooch is a bit of an enigma for me. Like one week I'll hate him and the next week I'll love him. At the moment, because of yesterday, he's he's in a bit. Of, I'm in a bit of a love phase with him for the time being. So yeah. He's got a bit of a reprieve for me for the time being. <laughs> I mean, results have picked up since he came back, so it can't be. I don't. I'm not going to take that as a coincidence. I think. Mm. I think yeah, the energy so. he puts in. He's he's one of those guys, kind of um, the way Honeyman did, the way that Catamull did. He'll run all day for you, even when he hasn't got it. He still puts it as much as he's got in. Um, 
and he's popped up with three goals since he came back. So, mm. yeah, and the added bonus it... of him being an American and wearing an American branch will always cling on to our Yanks. Yeah, I was going to say say that actually. Like, how I assume he he can do no wrong for the uh, for the guys over in the states, the supporters in the states, being being an American himself. I mean, if as as long as he's not injured, if he'd come to one of our AGMs, he'd never be able to do wrong again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if he does listen to this, but Lyndon, if you if you do listen to our Exiles podcast, there's the offer there. Um, yeah, if you're if you're injured at the end of the season and you want to come to, I think we're doing Houston. I think that's mm-hmm. where we're we're thinking of at the moment. For your AGM. Um, for the AGM, yeah. Um, so yeah, because we 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 kind of we've done a lot of East Coast stuff and a lot of Northern Northeast, so we figured we had to to spread the love, but. I think in the coming in the coming days we'll kind of solidify where we're doing it, but I think Houston's looking pretty good at the moment. Well, there you go then, Lyndon. Like I said, it's an open invitation for you to go and visit Houston in the spring. Uh, should you be out for the running of the season, obviously we'd much prefer you to be at the stadium of light, helping us push for a promotion. But the offer's there if you if you're not on the pitch. <laughs> um, so, so for you guys then, uh, Gavin, when when is your next kind of official um, meetup for for the group? Um, so, so each individual um, region has its own meetups. I know that the Ohio guys will have one. Um, we'll have Toronto's almost every week because they're lushes up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think New York, New Jersey, we might be looking at uh, at one kind of for. I think we're maybe looking at the Ipswich game at the in February, or, or depending on how calendars work. Um, maybe one in a couple of weeks in in New Jersey. We're looking at new bars here. Yeah. So that we don't all have to to spend an hour try in each way. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, as if anybody ever wants to reach out to us through the Facebook page, which is the SAF NASA page, mm-hmm. um, just say that you, you you're in if you're traveling to New York for for, for vacation, you want to watch the match. I'm never I'm never short of needing an excuse to get into New York, so <laughs> I'm always happy to kind of traipse in. Excellent. And in terms of other social media, you said about Facebook and NASA on Twitter, I think they are, aren't they? Yeah, NASA on Twitter and Instagram. Um, um, so, yeah, we've got all the three main social media feeds all taken care of. Uh, yeah. There's the SAF NASA website. So, so yeah, plenty of ways for people to get in touch then should they should they want to become a part of it or want to, even if it's just, like you said, on vacation and want to come and meet up with some uh, like-minded Sunderland fans. Yeah, and I mean, they're the ones that, they're the ones that are best. We get a call on on email or a text on, on like a Thursday, like, look, we've got uh, people coming in New York, can you be there? And it's like, okay, now I've got something to do on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the best one of those was the... I think it was the last time we beat the Mags, uh, the sixth in a row one. Yeah, we yeah. happened we happened to have a City of Sunderland College group coming into town, so right. they were in New York on a on a trip anyway. Um, so I think between Sunderland and Newcastle fans, we had like 130 people in the bar. Um, so, so it was very much like a mini northeast then. It was, but the great thing. So I'm never one to speak anything nice about the Mags. But I'll be honest with you, the, the group of lads that are uh, out here in New York are absolutely fantastic. There's never been so much as a punch thrown in the 20 years that I've been here at yeah. Derby Day. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, th- I think f- for for people, once you get come outside of the Northeast, obviously it is a very passionate area. Once you come outside of the Northeast, I think generally fans become Northeast football fans. Obviously, you would you'd never wish the Mags a, a victory, but I think from from a social point of view um you tend to be, like come together a little bit more as 
outsiders to 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 an area. Um, yeah, it's it's always a great the, the the derby matches are always a great event. Um, they're always happy to kind of for the banter during the match and before the match, but try looking for one of them after the match when they've got beat. <laughs> yeah. They just burst. It's like it's like watching cockroaches go when you turn the lights on. <laughs> yeah, well they're burying burying their heads in the sand and go and hide in the dark corners because you know I expect a lot of them have forgotten what it's like to beat us now. To be fair, so. It's probably yeah. just cut. Yeah. <laughs> it probably probably might be probably be a little while until we get the opportunity to do it again as well. Uh, I think luckily, we might be looking at a couple of years on that one. Yeah, luckily for them. Anyway, um, anyway, I think that's uh, I think that's that's going to be a wrap for us, Gavin. So um, again, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Um, anyone who is listening in North America and wants to get involved with with NASA, um, like Gav said, they've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the website, or indeed if Lyndon Gooch wants to get in touch and sort out attending their AGM. Um, so I'll leave that there. I wish you all the very best for the rest of the week coming, and um, thanks very much for that. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Well, it was good to hear you uh, doing an interview there, Bomber. Enjoyable, was it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I say for for the first time having done, done a pre-recorded interview, I'm you know quite happy with it. He was a nice guy as well, Gavin. Um, we had a bit of a chat off of uh, after we finished recording as well, and had some really good views on some of the Donald stuff. But uh, yeah, it was good to speak to him. That's great to hear, and cheers for stepping in on that as well. Uh, you did me a massive favour there, so thanks a lot, mate. So uh, we're now gonna. Um, we're going to hear the plane away that we recorded um, on the 11th of, of uh, December 2019. We're in 2020 now, uh, which features you, Bomber, again, along with uh, John Stacey and Paul Hunter. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a good game. It was a, it was a good game that we featured in the plane away, and we're going to hear that right now. I'm now going to um, turn to plane away, and I know you have been talking at length to avoid this one, lads. Um, <laughs> it's my debut on playing the way, by the way. Just sort of. Is it your debut on playing the way, yeah. Paul? And I haven't made it easy because you are all a, a bit younger than me. So um, we'll 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 move to it now. It's uh, a game played on the 14th of December 1991. Oh, oh. good God! God. When I when I was a, a nine-year-old enjoying the first flushes of uh, of of loving Sunderland Football Club, this was a Division Two game at Roker Park. In front of 15. I actually think this is when I started watching, so I think I'm all right. Oh, yeah, good for no. you. Honestly, honestly, you'll be fine. Just go through the legends list. Dennis Smith was in charge, um, but it's a bit of a retro one. This one, so I'll run through the rules quickly. You take turns to name a player. Um, you each get two lives. If you name a sub. You get another go. I will uh, proviso that by saying this is 1991, so you've only got two subs. Um, so there will not be too many second chances in this. Um, so uh, last man standing gets two points, and if more than one player is still standing after the last player is named, everyone gets one point, but there's a goal difference if you've uh, not lost a life. I have no idea what, what the league standings are at the minute. At some point, we will sit down and collate them. Um, possibly a, around Christmas time, and really we should give give each game a difficulty rating. And I think this one would be about a six out of ten. So I'm going to well, start just as a, a six, a six out of ten. I mean, for me, I could personally I can name this team team off. I was about five years old when this was going on. So oh well, there you go. Yeah, you, I'd, I'm not sure I would have got a 1987 team. So uh, wow. Well. 
here we here we go anyway. Paul, you can go first and then we'll go bomber and uh, John. I'm well gonna... it's it's your debut, so yeah. you get first choice. I'm gonna try the goalkeeper. I reckon, I reckon Tony Norman. Tony Norman, my hero when Are I was we a in? kid. Are we good? Absolutely. He's oh, wow. there. Whew. My he was my hero. I've even got the shirt which I passed on to my uh, my youngest. Well, it's easier than so, I thought. Bomber. Well, I've, I'm going to go with my stock answer for anything pre-1998 and say Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball was there? Yes. You're going to run out of stock answers pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah, though, yeah. Bomber. John, you're a youngster as well, aren't you? Not really. I was six when, six or seven, I think, when, when this, I, and I, I'm actually thinking I was at the game, but. I was just starting to go with my dad, but I, this is probably I'm probably just setting myself up for a fall here. Um, I'm going to go with Gary Bennett. He was he was at centre of defence. God for that. God with Ollie, I think from oh from really the lineup. Wow, excellent. So Paul, we're back with you. We're three for three. Uh, I'm thinking right back. I'm thinking John Kerr. John Kerr, absolutely the hardest man I've ever seen on a football pitch. And, good? Uh, yeah, he was there. Wow. Bomber. Uh, so, uh, second of probably three stock answers, Gordon Armstrong. Gordon Armstrong was there on the wing. Absolutely. You've got, got one left. You're going to run out soon. <laughs> John, John stands the best chance in this, I think. But uh, um, it, it's your turn. Yeah, you're now. saying that. Um, you were there. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I was there. Um, so, who have we had so far? Sorry. We've had Tony Norman. Uh, yeah. John Keir, Gary Bennett, and Kevin Ball. Right. Oh, and uh, Gordon Armstrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a massive punt at a striker. Um, was that the season um, that Don Goodman was there? It was. Yes. Oh, thank God for that. Yes. <laughs> Goodman up front. Jeez. Indeed. So, uh, and uh, um, we're back with you, Paul. Mm. Gonna go for another, maybe a fullback, left back, Dicky Ord. No, not no, in okay. the squad. You've lost a life. Ooh. Good. Didn't want to win. <laughs> so oh, this to me. So my third stock pre nineteen ninety eight answer, No. Ah. No, he's not there. I think I left the club by that point. I'm not yeah. sure. I think you had. Well, he definitely Ooh. would have been in the squad then. That that has left some wow. interesting thoughts for me. <laughs> we don't need to know um, your thoughts, John. Yeah, um, I'm thinking um, since these two have lost a life, I've got a couple in mind, but I'm going to go with a riskier one. Um, John Byrne. John Byrne, absolutely fantastic yeah. answer. Signed oh. from La, La Havre, the Irish international. Absolutely. Nice got, him, got him from back from France. Um, I love back with you. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? Mm. Grit Mullet as well. Yeah, was that, the that was the season we got to the FA Cup final, wasn't it? Against Liverpool, and he scored yeah. every round, didn't he? It, it was, and I'm sure we'll come to that on uh, future future episodes after Christmas once uh, the uh, FA Cup third round and, uh, yeah. and, and and subsequent rounds are played. Uh, back with you, Paul. Yeah, see, the, the life. 92 final has sort of been my reference point for this because I was there, and I'm just trying to think of the team sheet that day who might have been in playing 91. I'm going to go with Peter Davenport. Peter Davenport. Yes, he was in the side. Wow, bloody hell. Yes, that's a great answer. I wasn't expecting uh, that one to come out of the hand today. Um, 
Not sure position he was playing. Probably a attacking mid. Centre mid, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, man's box to box, maybe. Yeah. So Davenport was on the pitch. Oh. Bomber. Okay. Yeah. We have we have a, a a defender to find, a mid uh, and two midfielders. Okay. Um. I, and I've got one life left. The only other person I can think of from that period of time, I think it's that period of time, who is a midfielder, would be Bracewell, Paul Bracewell. Yes, you got it. Okay, then, then I'm screwed. Well, after this, well, you you might actually you won't get back round to me. Will you it? might it might not get back round to you if uh, if John and Paul get theirs right. So uh, John, you're next. You've got two so, to get. Yeah, so Bracewell was my easy one. So I'm now now completely stumped. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna probably get this one wrong. But what we what are we missing a midfielder? We're missing a midfielder and a defender. Right. So this might be wrong, but I'm gonna go Kieran Brady for the midfielder. Mm. No, he wasn't there. Oh. You've all lost one life. This is very close. Oh. This is one of the most <laughs> exciting games we've had so far. Yeah. Um, so Paul you're one life down you've got three right you've all got three left right you've all lost one life so it's very even you I've got, got a name point. Rich I've got a name scribbled down here go on um, then I've got Gary Hours Gary Hours in the field no, that's right God. yes so Bomber John's getting away with this if you if you get it right I think uh, you can get to I, point I, I don't know any other names to be fair off the top of my head can you just so it's a defender that we're missing. So I'll run down the team sheet. Um, yeah. In goal, uh, Tony Norman. In defence, John Kay, A.N. Other, Gary Bennett and Kevin Ball. Midfield, Peter Davenport, Gordon Armstrong, Paul Bracewell, Gary Owers, um, Don Goodman and John Burns. So we are missing We're missing a defender. So I don't mean to alarm you, Bomber, but I think I've got the left back. Wow. Well, I can't... I can't even think of another name. Uh, and I don't want to pass because that's just a really pathetic way of going out. So, uh, Julio Arca. <laughs> Julio, that is the worst answer that we have yeah, had on it's better than passing, that was playing the away. He made his debut as a nine-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> you were there. You should remember, John. <laughs> so, um, John... You you think you have the name of well, the? Um, I think I think I've, I think I've got it, and it's it's one of them where you're gonna you're gonna think I'm I'm like Niall and I've cheated, um, but I'm gonna take a punt. <laughs> He's of not Paul Hardyman. Paul Hardyman, no, you're out as well. Oh, so Paul, you are the victor by then. <laughs> by default. Really, am I one? You have got four right, wow. uh, and one life left. You can have Who a goal at the left Rich. back. I've got uh, not the left back. Uh, um, I've got a name for the midfielder. Well, we we don't we don't we're not looking for a midfielder. We're looking for a, <laughs> we're looking for a defender. Oh, just just left the back. Sorry. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well then, no, I'm out. Um, nah, I, no, I don't know. It can't be. It wouldn't be Mickey Gray then, would it? No, it wasn't. It was just probably just before Mickey Gray. Was it Rogan? Yeah. It was Anton Rogan, John, but that is too late. Yeah. Too late. Paul wins. Two points to Paul on his debut. Well done, Paul. Well done, mate. Not why I do it, but thank you. 
Excellent job. Excellent job. So, so it was nice to hear a, a win there for Paul Hunter in the playing away. It was, I thought, one of the one of the, the best games of it that I've officiated over. I have to say, quite exciting in the end, really. So um, I just want to give a quick mention of a, of a couple of things, a little bit away from football, that Roper Report and Roper Report have been involved in over the last couple of months. Uh, first of all, a massive thanks to everyone who donated um, to the Christmas fundraiser for Sunderland uh, Community Soup Kitchen and the Food Bank. Thousands and thousands of pounds raised by hundreds of people, giving out their own pockets at a time of year when you know money's short. Absolutely amazing. Just shows what we can do when we come together. Um, their work continues. Poverty knows no borders either. So please. Continue supporting your local charities that are working and campaigning to ensure that nobody in the world goes hungry uh, in 2020. Um, and another thing that Roper Report has been involved in over the last year is around mental health. And a few of us lads in the in the Exiles group are um, currently involved in a fundraiser for Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. This has been set up by John Stacey, who you heard in Plain Away. Um, it's a men's mental health charity, and we, we're all, well, a few of us, not everyone, but a few of us are running uh, 31 miles in 31 days. Uh, there's a link to a donation page in the description to this podcast, and there's some videos on Instagram, including me looking like I'm going down a mine uh, out for a run in North Wales, and you can find that at MH Support for Dads um, on Instagram. Bomber's just been out for a run. How was that for you? Uh, tiring, mate. Got some heavy legs after playing 90 minutes on Saturday as well. So, yeah, yeah it was tough, but I got through it. Uh, did 5K, so I think I'm up to 15, which is about 10 miles now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I got up, I think I'm just about at 10 miles now. I did a, a, a big run up a hill today, so I'm feeling good after that, actually. Yeah, and some it, of the climbs it, that you have to do, jeez. <laughs> I, I do live, literally live on the side of a mountain, <laughs> as everyone is finding out through my elevation gain uh, when we're posting our runs up on, on our group. Um, so, yeah, if, you, if, if you've got a, a couple of quid to throw into that, it'll be much appreciated. It's a brilliant cause. And, you know, even if you haven't, go out for a run. If you're feeling bad, it's great for your mental health. So um, thank you all for your uh, time this evening, listening to us, and uh, for your time as well, um, Bomber down in Gloucester. Cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers, Rich. Enjoyed it tonight. Yeah, and um, uh, and thanks as well, Chris Wynn. Cheers, Rich. Um, cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. And last but not least, cheers, Niall. See you later, cheers. mate. Cheers. Cheers, right. right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. All right. Nice one. Hey, stop recording. <laughs> That's the longest <laughs> podcast. No, not yet.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.